Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... David's been rejected and he's in the cave. And all who are coming to David, all the messed up, all the, just the discontented, the distressed, those that are all, their lives are a mess. They're just coming down to him. Somehow, somehow they're drawn to him. As you see Christ in the New Testament when he comes, He's rejected by those that should have received him, right? He rejected by the religious establishment. But you know who was who came to him? Those that were in distress, those that were in trouble, prostitutes, those that were accused of adultery. If you were to start a team to make a big impact for God, you'd probably want to recruit the smartest and most talented people. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill shows that the people who came to David were the debtors, the distressed, and the dissatisfied not exactly the people you'd want to start a team with. But God often uses the weakest and most despised things of the world to do His will. If you feel like you're unqualified to serve God, be encouraged to know that God uses those who are humble and obedient. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22. As he continues his message, Desperation, Deception, and Death. We're continuing our study in 1 Samuel. So if you guys have your Bible tonight, you guys will open up to 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let's pray and uh, we're going to ask the Lord to bless us and meet us tonight. So, Father, we come before you now and I thank you, God, for uh, just a time to praise and worship you as you deserve. And now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, we believe it's living and powerful. Uh, God, we're not. It's not a regular book. Uh, God, these are the living word of Almighty God. And so as we study it tonight, God, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, meet us in this place. God, you know, each one of us and how we're doing and what's running through our hearts and minds and what we need to hear from you. I pray for those present, those that are watching, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word as only you can. Uh, Lord, help us to give you our undivided attention. Meet us in this place. We ask these things in Jesus name. And everybody said Amen. All right. So a little bit of a recap. And so I'm going to give you the title because this is a part two. So two weeks ago, we covered chapter one of uh, chapter 21 of First Samuel. And the title was Desperation, Deception and Death. And uh, if you guys remember, we saw David kind of David having a, a, a David having some, making some mistakes. Right. Uh, David was being chased by Saul. That was not his fault, but he started to make some bad decisions. He started to do some things uh, in the flesh apart from prayer. And so in his desperation, uh, David went to uh, Ahimelech, the priest. And what he should have done, I'm going to say that because I think it's so important. What David should have done was go to Ahimelech, the priest. He should have just told the truth. Amen. He should have said, Ahimelech, I don't know why Saul is trying to kill me. Things are going crazy. Would you inquire of the Lord for me? I need a word from God. I need some direction. Um, it's not what he does. For you guys that remember when David went to Ahimelech and said, hey, I'm on, I'm on uh, secret business from the king. So nobody can know. Nobody knows what's going on. I'm on the secret. And we hungry, me and all my men. And, and him like, where are all those men that are with you? Well, they, they're over there somewhere. Don't worry about it. But I need some bread. Is there anything we can eat? And Ahimelech said, well, all we have is the, the show bread, the holy bread, the set apart bread. And David said, well, give me, give me some of that. 
and uh, he took the the you know the he had new bread put in, and he took the other bread and he gave it to David. David said, "Hey man, I I left in such haste for the king's business. I left my weapon. Is there a weapon in the house of the Lord?" And he said, "Well, there's nothing here except the sword of Goliath." Of Gath, after you, after David killed Goliath, he took his sword, chopped his head off. That sword was there. He said, "Well, let me get that sword. There's none like it." He took it. Uh, we're going to see today the result of that, right? It, it, the the story last week ended. David ran down to Gath, right? Gath is the area of who? The Philistines, right? That's where that's where Goliath came from. Are these friends or foes of the people of God? So he went down to enemy turf, and as he got down there, they, of course, they recognized. They were like, "Hey." That's David. That's that's they were singing songs about you. You killed your thousands, ten thousands, and we were some of them thousands. So, uh, you know, they they know who David was. And so uh, then the king Achish, uh, the king of Gath, came down and David knew he was in trouble. And so what did he do? He acted crazy. He let he let saliva and drool run all down his beard. And uh, once once the king saw it, he said, man, this this guy is I don't want this fool in my king. Get him out of here, man. He's crazy. So in in essence, it worked for the moment. But what we see last week and we'll see a little more this week is David made some bad decisions. All resulting in this. Anytime you anytime you start lying. Right. You got to keep that up. Right. You got to keep that up. You got to. So now now you've committed to deception. That's the way of the enemy. And now you got to keep it up. It's always going to be better to just tell the truth. The the truth will do what to you? Even if it's bad, the truth will set you free. David, it would have been better for David to just say, man, this is not even my fault. I don't know what's going wrong with King Saul. He's tripping, but he didn't do that. He took matters into his own hands. And I hope that we'll be warned as the people of God against taking matters into our own hands in a sinful way. Um, Because lying is an easy way out. Right. Somebody asks you something uncomfortable. You know, sometimes a lie is is uh, it it feels better, you know, than telling the truth. But it's not because now you're in bondage to the lie you told. Uh, It'd be better to tell the truth. And so as we pick up in chapter 22, the last thing we saw in 21 was David acted crazy. And the king said, man, let him get him out of here. I'm not I'm not fooling around with him. And so picking up now at chapter 22, verse one. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So uh, it says, so, so when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. So verse one, David leaves Gath, the Philistine area of the enemies, and he runs down to the cave of Adullam. At least now he's back on, you know, uh, on God's territory. He's in the, 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 the cave of Adullam is in the territory of Judah, southwest of Bethlehem. So now he's at least back where he belongs as, as an Israelite, as a man of God. It said when all of his brothers in his father's house heard it, they went down to David. And I want to just, I want you guys to run this back a little bit, right? It wasn't too long ago that Samuel the, was, Samuel was at David's house saying, bring out all your sons for the next king of Israel is here. And who did everybody think the next king of Israel was going to be? Eliab, the eldest son, right? He was big. He looked strong. Uh, he was the eldest. That's normally how it would go. And um, Samuel went on down the line and God said, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him. He learned that important lesson that God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And after he got done looking at all the sons, he said, where's there? Do you have another son? And sure enough, David wasn't even thought enough of to be brought out. 
said David was ruddy, you know, just a little cute kid, you know, just a young, young buck out there. He had the lowest job on the totem pole, being the youngest kid in the house. Watching the sheep was the low job. That's what David was doing. And they said, well, I'm not going anywhere till you bring him out. So go get him. And that was who got anointed. How many of you guys think the older brothers may have been a little jealous, a little envious? I'm thinking Eliab, because you guys remember when David went down to see about the battle, Eliab, was, he, had, he had a whole lot to say to David, right? He said, you just came down here to, you know, you just, you, 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 you pride. He told, he called him prideful. And, uh, you know, again, all this aggressive talk he had to say to David, yet he was punking out to Goliath too. You know, he, 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 didn't, have no, he didn't have that same energy for Goliath. So you, you might think these guys were a little bit jealous, envious. I bring all that up because now, David's been anointed the king. David had his battles. David killed his thousands, ten thousand. Things have been going well. Now, all of a sudden, things have kind of turned on the dime. Now, David's on the run. And if the king is trying to kill David, that means David's family is also in jeopardy. And so they had to get out of there. So David's mother and father, all the kids, they had to run on down and they went to David. This is what I thought was interesting. Because they it said they went down there to him. I believe that even in the midst of this, David was looked at as you go to the person that can protect you. Right. You don't run down to somebody that, you know, if, if you're in trouble, you don't run down to your child. <laughs> you know, you don't run. If, if something happens in, 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 if you got to hear a noise in the night, you don't run to your kid's room and, and say, did you, did you hear that? You know, <laughs> you don't. You, they usually come to you. You know, I, I got some people in my house that are that are afraid of earthquakes. And when, you know, when there's thunder and earthquakes, you know, we know that someone's going to be. Did you hear that, Dad? Did you? Did you? I, I didn't. I was knocked out sleep. But but I hear you. You're here now. OK. They went down to him. I just think that speaks of who David had become to them. Um, we, we didn't want to look up to you, but we're kind of forced to. And even in this bad circumstance, we're going down to you. And, and this is what I think is awesome. David is in a he's in a cave and it'd be safer to be in a cave with David than it would be to stay at home. Right um, now, I, I look at this cave in a little while. There's some more people going to join him in this cave. This must have been a pretty good sized cave. Because in just a minute, we're going to see about 400, 400 folks are going to join him in the cave with his family. So the number, the, the, the man count grows. Uh, you know, I wonder, yeah, I, won't, I won't even go there. I'm going to behave myself. Look at verse uh, two. It says, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them and there was about 400 men with him. This is great. This is David's army. This is what David starts out with. Does this sound like a great team? Does this sound like, you know, David, you, like he like he cherry picked the cream of the crop? No. Right. Um, you know, for you guys that are watching the NFL draft and all that stuff, coaches are doing their very best. They're like they're studying and watching tape. They're trying to pick the, mm, the very best picks. David gets I got three people in the group, three groups. All those that are in distress. These are people that are just, it's not going well. I'm, I'm not doing good. I, I'm not in my best mental space right now. They come to David in distress. I'm distressed. Next, those who are in debt. I like this because I think the Holy Spirit put this here because he knew. Y'all know that these things are still the, the, the people today that are in distress, in debt and, and discontented. They the same way today as they were back here. So the, this is not the people. I'm going to start a business. I want those that are you don't want the, those that are in distress. Right. Some businesses, they want to see your credit because if you can't manage your money, you can't touch theirs. Right. 
These are not what you start with, but this is what God did with David. Distressed, in debt. Those are we're running because we're in debt. I owe money. I cannot pay. I'm over here with you, David. I'll be in the cave. And then last but not least, those that are just discontented. I am just unhappy. That's not really who I want on my team, right? I don't want a bunch of discontented, grumbling, complaining, murmuring. Dis- I'm just unhappy, generally. You woke up like that. Um, that's not generally what you want. But I see in this a just a picture of Jesus. David's been rejected and he's in the cave. And all who are coming to David, all the messed up, all the just the discontented, the distressed, those that are all their lives are a mess. They're just coming down to him. Somehow, somehow they're drawn to him. As you see Christ in the New Testament, when he comes, he's rejected by those that should have received him. Right. He rejected by the religious establishment. But you know who was who came to him? Those that were in distress, those that were in trouble, prostitutes, those that were accused of adultery. You know, uh, those that those their lives were a mess. You know, those that could, they couldn't go to nobody else. The, the 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 lepers, the lepers weren't calling for nobody. But they they Lord, master, would you have mercy on us? They called Jesus. The, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, uh, n- never mind the man that they didn't bring, you know, she had nobody else to call out to but Jesus. And, and he met her in that place. Um, if you guys are writing notes, uh, I want you to write down a couple things. First of all, this ragtag group that David starts off with, write down 2 Samuel chapter 23. We don't have time to go read it because it's a lengthy section. You go read that chapter later. This ragtag group grows and this 400 grows into about a group of 600 and they become what we know later as David's mighty men of valor. These guys right here turn into second Samuel chapter 23. Read the chapter. They turn to these guys can split. They can throw the rock and split the hair. I mean, they become mighty men, skilled men of war, giant slayers. Right. And this is the lesson here. They became like the one that led them. It wasn't what it wasn't what David started. This is the mark of a leader. It, if you start with, you know, it doesn't say a lot about a coach. If he starts with if he got a, a dream team. Right. Uh, he got the I've seen I've seen. I would just say the Clippers. I hope you know Clippers fans here. If you are. God bless you for your faith. Right. But we've seen the Clippers as, as they've assembled dream teams. I mean, the best of the best. And they still couldn't get it done. Um, and I've, we've seen other coaches with much less talent. But somehow they're able to put it together. So when you look at a group like this and how they become great, they become greatly used of God. They become great under David's leadership. It speaks about the leader. Now, again, if I want to flip this over to Jesus, uh, if you're a note taker, I want you to write down first Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to read it to you. First Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to read 26 to 31 to you. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 26 to 31. This is what it says. It says, for you see your calling brethren that not many were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, 
who became for us wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. And so we see that in, in Christ, too, God says, I don't, I don't always start with the best of the best, but I can take people from where they are to where I want them to be. Um, and there's not going to be a better leader than Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, of all, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords of all leaders. But I just I just see that parallel. David starts with again. He starts with a group that nobody would say that's that's I want that to be my starting 10 or 40 or whatever. 400 discontented in debt and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> distressed men. David takes these guys and and they're going to be with David. And, and their lives are going to be impacted. I don't know where they started from. We don't know where they began at, but they're going to be, be they're going to be impacted by their time with David. Here's another redemptive point to me, because David's messing up right here. He's making some mistakes, but God's God's not done with David. Right. We're going to see that before this is all done, God's going to God's going to speak to David. God's going to God's going to redeem even these 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 situations that he's gotten himself into. And um, maybe you're here. Maybe you've had some mega blunders. Maybe you've had seasons where you just blew it. You just did the wrong thing and, you, and it was bad and the fruit was bad and the, the, the consequences were bad. You got to know that you serve a God that if you will get back going, God will let you get going again. People may throw it in your face. People may not quickly let you off the hook with your stuff, but God will take you back. And God will let you get going again. And so we've seen Dave. God, the Bible is very honest about his hero's errors. And we've seen David's errors, but we also see that the Lord is merciful. And God is good. God, God didn't change his mind about the fact that he had anointed David king. And David is still going to function as the king of Israel, still future at this point. So uh, moving on now, look at now verse three. Three and four, it says, then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all that all the time that David was in the stronghold. So um, David goes down to Moab. Now, there's an interesting little thing here. Moab, these are not God's people. Moab are enemies. But David was in the lineage. In David's lineage, there is a Moabite. Can somebody tell me how that happened? This is this Bible quiz time. How, what is the connection between David and Moab? Great grandma. Okay. So Ruth 417. Um, yep. David, that's that, that, that David is born out of that, that, that relationship there with uh, Ruth and Boaz. And so, um, so David tells his parents, I'm going to take you guys over to Moab and hide you guys out over here. Um, now, some believe that that was a mistake for David to um, leave his parents uh, on enemy grounds uh, in this is only tradition. And so in, in some of the Jewish tradition, it says that the Moabites eventually killed David's parents. So here the Bible tells us that David's parents were here the whole time he was in the stronghold and it, and it leaves it there. The Jewish tradition, which we which is not scripture. So, uh, you know, we treat it like, you know, we treat it like man's history. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. You know, uh, all we know from here is David left his parents there um, and they were there while he was in the stronghold. The important thing of the, the what we need to know is 
David was hiding them out. They weren't going to be able to run like David, right? David's going to be hustling. He's going to be in a cave over here, up the mountain over there, down the road over there. He's going to run them distressed, indebted brothers. Them, them brothers going to be in good fitness. Uh, but his parents, he said, y'all need to, I need to put y'all up somewhere. Y'all not, not going to be able to make this trip we're going to be making. So um, a responsible thing that he put his parents away somewhere. Uh, he cared for them. Whether it was good or bad, uh, he put them somewhere. I like what happens in verse five. We don't see David seeking the Lord or inquiring of the Lord. Right. We just see him kind of making decisions. And I, I see David under stress, under pressure, how he got into the position he's in right now. He's just he's just making his best decisions without prayer. Anybody lived like that at some point in time? And, and if you have, then, you know, you live with the results of your best decisions. Uh, I remember I remember hearing this one time from a, a counselor at a, my old church and we were sitting with someone that was, you, know, you see somebody that's just made bad decisions. They're living with bad fruit, but they're still defending their position. And, 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 and my friend said this in counsel. He said, bro, your best decisions have brought you to where you are right now. This is your, where you are right now as a result of your best thinking. You can defend that. You, you want to continue in this or you want to you want to let this go at this point. And so David has made some bad decisions. I like verse five because it doesn't say David sought the Lord or he prayed. This is, again, a mercy of God. God sends a prophetic word through a prophet to David. Verse five. Now, the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. So David was in the stronghold. That was his best decision. That's where he was going to be. And a prophet came and said, don't don't stay here. Word of the Lord. So it, it, it seems that if the prophet hadn't come and said this, David would have stayed and maybe it would have all went bad for him there. This tells me one thing that though David is messing up and though he's made some bad decisions, the Lord is still with him. The Lord is still with him. God is protecting him even now in the position. God's like, man, you, you're not even going to stop and pray. You're not going to even look up. man. Let me send someone to you. And God sent the prophet with a word. And maybe some of us, right? maybe God has had to send somebody, have somebody call you up. Uh, somebody, you know, somebody jump in your business with a word uh, to get you back on track or to remind you of something. The Lord just stepped in here, just sovereignly stepped in and said, hey, get out of here. And let David know to get out of there. And he did. He listened. Uh, I give him that. Right. David heard a word from the Lord and he, he, he did it. And um, and it was good that he did. Look at verses six to eight now. Now we're now we're looking at Saul. Right. Uh, it says when Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now, Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah. With his spear in his hand, the same spear he'd been chucking at David over and over again and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him. Let me stop right here. We get ready to look at a madman. Saul is a madman. Saul is a man in the flesh. And we're going to see what we, what we often see from men that are in the flesh, men that are leading in the flesh. We're going to see manipulation, accusations and seeking sympathy for even though he's in the wrong, right? We're getting ready to see Saul do all these things, all these. This is what he uses his position of leadership to do to the men that are under him. So he's there with his spear in his hand and all his servants are standing around him. Verse seven. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him here. Now you Benjamites, 
Get that exclamation point. He, he's yelling at them. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So he's saying, you guys, I, I'm better than he's. He knows that people have a heart for David. And he says, you guys, is David going to do you as good as I've done you? Is David going to give you guys vineyards and 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 fields? I don't even know Saul had given them that yet. You know, he may have just been hanging some 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 carrots out there. Is he going to make you guys captains of thousands of hundreds like I did? Is he going to do that for you? You've been listening to a transforming word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.